Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds and today I'm with Bill Myers. Bill is an author, a filmmaker, and if you grew up in the church, uh, you probably know him from your childhood. Uh, he's the creator of McGee and Me and Wally McDougal. He's written novels for adults like The Judas Gospel and Eli. He's written nonfiction. He's directed films. And now he has this new novel called Rendezvous with God. Uh, Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, for our listeners, uh, just before we talk about some of the details in the book, uh, can you kind of give us your elevator pitch for this novel? What is this book about? Um, it's about a reclusive professor whose life is turned upside down when his impulsive 14-year-old niece decides to live with him. Uh, he's he's not very good with women and not very good with teenagers. Uh, but to make matters worse, and this is that's really just the wrapping, mm-hmm. uh, the gift wrapping of the story. The story is really about uh, he keeps he keeps against his own will getting sucked back into time, and has these off the record conversations with Jesus Christ. A lot of times complaining about what's happening in his life, but a lot of times seeing um, a gospel. Uh, narrative unfolding before his eyes and then having Jesus tell him some of the the deeper things behind it. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say that this is sort of a crazy concept, but I don't know that it's such a crazy concept for you because uh, this kind of interweaving of biblical narratives, you, I mean, you've, you've done this before. You seem to have really made a career out of it. You know, I can think of like Eli, uh, Devoted Heart, uh, the Judas Gospel. Why do you feel like you come back to these types of stories over and over again? I am so frustrated of the varnish that we've coated Jesus up in. Um, uh, Let me back up for a second and say I started writing uh, Bible commentaries, so it's not Mm -hmm. like I'm anti-Bible by any means. I've written, uh, well, I don't know, half a dozen maybe. Uh, But we hide behind the gospel narrative and put this insulation between Jesus today by saying, well, yeah, that was the historical Jesus. So I'm always looking for ways of making him relevant, making him personal uh, for today. In in fact, um, my friend Frank Peretti said uh, that when he read the book, uh, he felt that Jesus was talking directly to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's really my agenda, is to get Jesus out of religion and put him back into a real personal relationship, which is what he cries out for. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what you picture uh, in the book, is that uh, this character, this professor, he finds himself in these situations where he sees the gospel narrative sort of playing out before him. And then it's it's almost like, you know, Jesus kind of turns aside and, you know, breaks the fourth wall and talks directly to this audience of one that that he has. And the, and the two of them have these conversations. Did you find it difficult to be like, OK, this is I mean, this is Jesus. So you have to be very careful with the words. I don't want to say the words that you put into his mouth, uh, but the concepts that you have him speak. Yeah. How How is that for you trying to craft that and be like, I want to be faithful to this, uh, but also 
you know, I don't want to seem like really stilted language and feel like I have to conform to only exactly what scripture says, but I'm going to be talking about the concepts of scripture. Yep. <laughs> you, you, you covered it all. I um, am real, real particular uh, about scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I start off writing uh, Bible commentaries, but I'm also very impatient about uh, the letter killing mm-hmm. where the spirit gives life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I tread very carefully through this. In fact, I'm just finishing up book three in the series, uh, treading very carefully about this. But, you know, when you have a good friend that you've hung out with for uh, 50 years uh, and you have this gospel narrative in front of you, it's pretty hard to misrepresent him. Um, and uh, much of the book was actually written in prayer, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, saying, okay, uh, now what do I do, sort of thing. Um, and that's not to say that the book, and those of you that know my work, that's not to say that the book is heavy and stodgy, and uh, and uh, it's not a sermon. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of comedy in it, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of whimsy in it, which helps get the medicine down, I suppose. Uh, so, in one sense, it is it's a bit of a comedy as Jesus constantly <laughs> uh, nudges our hero in the ribs, like now do you get it, uh, or setting him up for for um, just an education, so that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm serious about it, but I'm trying not to get caught being serious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really felt that I, as I was reading it, there is this, this sort of like, uh, I, I think the, the, the best term is sort of a magical realism in terms of like the genre of literature, is that it doesn't take itself very super seriously, but yet it is also very serious in the content that it's discussing. So it, it finds that balance between uh, this isn't just a philosophical treatise, uh, but it's going to tell you truth and it's going to tell you truth in a way that um, that, that seems fun, that has you, you know, it, it really does, it's very conversational. It's, it's a very conversational type of novel. Yeah, and, and that's the candy coating around the medicine. Hopefully you don't taste the medicine going down. Hopefully you're having so much fun with it uh, with Jesus kind of looking down at the ground and shaking his head at the at the uh, idiocy around him sometimes. Um, uh, hopefully you're just having so much fun that you don't know uh, that you're learning and, until it's too late. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that we're just like when Jesus shows up or when when uh, Will, the, the professor, finds himself going back in time, uh, it just sort of happens. There, You know, there's not a lot of times there's not even like a chapter break. It's just it, he just finds himself suddenly there, and, and you don't you don't really go too much into explaining how that happens. Uh, it just sort of does. Did you, did you want that mystery element to be like I'm not going to explain this? It just happens <laughs> to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, and that's part of poor Will's problem. Is you know if if I had to describe Will in one word, it would be befuddled. Mm-hmm. He he just he's trying to figure out what's going on, and if you know. And he tries. He tries to manipulate the situation a couple times to get Jesus to, you know, jump through the hoops, uh, much to his frustration. 
so yeah, it, it, again, that's part of the comedy, part of the whimsy, part of Will just uh, like all of us uh, stumbling through life thinking, okay, now this is the formula to get God to perform for me. And uh, guess again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, the way that that dichotomy sort of plays out is that, again, you have both uh, Will showing up in the middle of some of these you know big pieces of the gospel story and you know those are those are all there and they're being told but you also have uh jesus and will having these conversations that are directly affecting what's happening in will's present and uh so you seem to be highlighting both this relational aspect of jesus and this historical aspect of jesus uh, I think a lot of times when a story goes back into the past to have a character look at the the time of Jesus, it's for an intellectual purpose. Like we were going to gain some sort of knowledge about the time of Jesus during this. And what you're playing up is that that's there, that's important, um, but just as important is this personal element to the gospel as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's an iceberg, Josh. You don't see <clears throat> nine-tenths of what's going on. You just see the little surface, which is hopefully mostly entertainment. But there's a there's a resonance uh, uh, that happens between um, a harmony, a harmony between each predicament that he's in mm-hmm. and what he sees. But it's not right on the head. It, it's it's they're connected, but they're not like, you know, duh, okay, now I get it. Right, right. Uh, hopefully it's a little more elegant than that. Early on, I think it's – actually, I think it might be the, it's the first time that Will finds himself slipping back into the time of Jesus. And you portray Jesus as a child and uh, sort of an outcast. Uh, what What made you think of Jesus in those terms? I think it's all over the story of his life. I mean, when you have somebody that good in a culture, when you have his birth questioned, right, that, uh, you know, his, quote, illegitimate birth as far as the, the family's concerned. And I also wanted to explore, Scripture says that, you know, Jesus grew in knowledge and wisdom. So I wanted to explore just a little bit of what it's like to be God, but to be growing up as a little boy at the same time. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so so I, I've always wanted to explore that. I wanted to, again, keep it within the realm of uh, of possibility. But, you know, his the boy's loneliness, Jesus' loneliness at that age uh, resonates with... Um, with our hero's loneliness at that moment. Mm-hmm. So again, those are the, the two stories that seem to be independent, but they're linked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of sets the tone, too, because from the outset, you're seeing a side of Jesus that we m- probably often don't think about. This is a Jesus who's a little different than some people might imagine Jesus being. Well, can, can you imagine, that, you know, these villages were probably, oh, I don't know, between 60 and maybe 200 people. Uh, can you imagine um, 
living under the the um, story that uh, you're you were born illegitimate Mm -hmm. um, and that your mother lies about it and says that God did it. Uh, I mean, it must have been not a pleasant childhood. And then to have to have the the gifts and the powers that he's growing into um, and and not being able to to help people because it'll draw too much attention. Um, It's just I would. Someday I would love just to write uh, what that must have been like growing up. I, I I don't think I know Jesus well enough to to get away with that yet. But um, as I continue to hang out with him, I, I I would love to explore that whole growing up mm-hmm. uh, under a shadow and mm-hmm. yet having this unlimited power at your disposal. Yeah. Now, there there are a couple of places in the book where Jesus is explaining different aspects of faith to Will. And and there's an illustration that you give uh, in the book that involves a balloon. And I was wondering if you could just tell the audience that illustration for me. Which one is that, Josh? It was the one that involved a balloon. (laughs) Yes. I teach a discipleship class um, at uh, at a prep school. And I use that with with the students a lot. And that's instead of running to God with our problem, bringing God into the problem. Uh, and I'll, try, I'll attack it from another direction. We have those of us that have asked Christ to come inside us, have the presence of God inside us to whatever degree. Um, and to use that as a balloon that doesn't have that presence, the balloon is fairly useless. I mean, it's a nice balloon, but if it doesn't have the breath of God in it, you throw it up in the air and it, you know, it just flops on the ground. But as you allow the Spirit of God to grow in you, you start functioning the way that God dreamed you would function, and that is as an inflated balloon. Um, and so suddenly the balloon has a whole different purpose. Now it's functioning the way it was entitled to function, and when the outside pressures try to crush and try to steal the joy and the peace and the presence of God, you have the inside pressure pushing back. Um, and that's uh, and, and so instead of trying to fight the situation, you go to the Lord and let Him push back so that you have the. You have the joy and the peace regardless of the circumstance. You know, he doesn't promise to take us around the circumstances. He promises us that he'll take us through them. And he'll take us through them by his presence. I mean, that's what the martyrs had going for them, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, There was a certain even joy as they were being tortured to death because the presence of Christ was so strong in them uh, that it just pushed away, pushed back the outward circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well, for those of you that are listening that are youth pastors or children's pastors, you have a perfect illustration now for the next Sunday uh, to use. <laughs> Bill's giving it to you right there. Um, I, the next question, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to word this in a way that I'm not going to spoil anything. So I'll try to be vague, and then you can be as vague or specific as you want to be. Um, so as, as Will begins to to develop this relationship with Jesus throughout the book, he is still dealing with all of these problems in his life, uh, in his present life. And um, 
that growing relationship with Jesus doesn't solve all of those problems. Okay. Um, You're right. That was vague. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the question from that is, um, obviously, I think the point that you're making is that when Jesus comes into our life, it doesn't it, – it, it, it fixes things for us eternally, but it may not fix those things for us temporally, even things that we really desperately want to be different. Yes. Yes. Uh, they fix us internally, which is where – you know, that's where the Father's desire is, is that we be whole and complete, you know, lacking in nothing, as James says. Uh, so that, that, those are the big wars, mm-hmm. is that we be that. And, 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 uh, the other is, the Lord uses the other things, um, to, to, uh, the attacks. He allows, uh, to a certain extent, the attacks, as James said, so that we can learn to consider it all joy my brethren mm-hmm. um, as yeah. you were as you were writing this book uh what what audience were you envisioning it being for uh who who is going to take away what from this book ah uh, you know um the book for me was i don't know if i was envisioning an audience i'll tell you the audience that that's starting to be attracted to it but I was writing it more as a, an exploratory prayer, mm-hmm. um, just to, to, to grow as I was writing it, uh, to literally, as I said, stop in the middle of the scene, turn to a chair that, that I imagine Jesus sits in when I have coffee with him every morning and go, uh, now what? Um, so it was, a, it was a type of prayer and exploration for me. Now, what's happening with the readers much to my surprise and, and delight, is that the seekers are starting to see Jesus, who he really is, not what their own prejudice, maybe in bigotry or lack of um, education has told them, or what the media has told them, or unfortunately what some ham-fisted Christians have told them. But they're starting to see the Jesus that's in the New Testament, uh, that's alive today. So, so the book I'm excited is is reaching a lot of seekers, but I'm also excited um, getting email uh, from people that say I've been a Christian my whole life, and now I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those things are just those things are gold. I think um, the, the, if there was a huge overarching theme, and I, I hesitate to bring this up because again the book is supposed to be entertainment. And you're not supposed to uh, scratch your head too hard with these these themes, but the whole idea that Christ, that Christianity is not your typical religion. Um, it's not about working outside in. It's not about if I do these things, God will like me better. It's about letting Him get inside us and change us from the inside out. Every most of the religions uh, I look at deal with character modification, changing the way we behave, character, behavior, 
behavior modification, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I behave differently, that will change me eventually. And, you know, you, you, can be, uh, you can be Jewish, you can be Muslim, you can be Christian, you can be Buddha, you can be a Hindu. It's all the same. But what Jesus talks about is character, spiritual transformation where he gets inside and he does the heavy lifting. You know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and faithfulness and all those wonderful things. Well, Josh, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's not the fruit of Bill. That's not the fruit of Josh. That's the fruit of the Spirit. As we abide, that fruit just naturally comes. And then, yes, we wind up, you know, wanting to read the Bible or wanting to go to church or or behaving ourselves. But it comes because we're being changed from the inside out. And that is not religion. That is something supernatural that the Holy Spirit does that Jesus talked about until he was blue in the face. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's a much more hopeful start because there are so many people that feel like I have to get everything together in my life before I come to Jesus. Like I want to present my best self to Jesus. And so I have to get it all together first and then I will approach him. And, uh, you know, the message of the gospel is that, yeah, you need to take all those pieces of Jesus and, and he'll, he'll be the one to, to put them yes, together. Yeah. Yeah. Who taught us, who taught us that repentance was stop doing or start doing stuff. And then maybe, you know, we'll work our way into Christ's good graces. I mean, we see that in the book when they're at the, uh, uh, at the hospital, at the emergency room, um, Jesus draws out a little diagram and he says in this diagram, who is closer to the heart of God. And at one end, he draws, he draws a, a prostitute on drugs far away from the throne. And then he draws a, a, a man of God right next to the throne. But the man of God is looking away from the throne. And this prostitute drug addict is far away, but she's looking toward the throne. And so the, so the point is that repentance is not what you do or don't do it's whether you decide to look to christ or not look to christ he takes care of the rest now the other stuff happens i get it the other stuff happens this is not a you know a card blanche to go ahead and sin but he does the heavy lifting mm-hmm. In... character trans- spiritual transformation yeah as the book ends um then then there's this there's a small snippet where will says that he's going to write a book about his experiences uh with jesus and he he says that he hopes that it'll bring revival and um it doesn't appear like jesus wants revival and instead you have him saying i was hoping more for reformation so number one i see the irony there of of will saying he's going to write a book uh, that would be exactly the book that you've just written um, but number two, for you, what's the difference between revival and reformation? Revival. Revival is parroting old traditions, parroting 
a religion that Jesus really didn't teach. Reformation is reforming and going back to the original teachings of Jesus that talks about changing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think uh, in our in our zeal for for um, our evangelical zeal, that's all great and good. But let's let's put the work for on Jesus, and not on the fact that we have to get ourselves all spiffied up and all clean so that He'll like us. I mean, what disciple got their act together <laughs> enough for Jesus to love them on their own? Every one of them was a failure. But he got inside and he changed them. So you had said earlier that you are on, I think you said book three. Um, Yeah. So there's going to be more stories. You answered that question for me. Uh, Where where does the story go from here? Uh, In the second story, um, he learns his true identity. He, meaning Will, our character, learns his true identity. He learns that he is, and this is a religious word, but but cut through it and hear what I'm really saying. He learns that he's a beloved child of God. He learns that God loves him so much he'd die for him. Okay? He, um, his identity is not what people say about him. And how many of us put our identity in, in what people say? Will's identity is not what he does for a living. What's the first question men ask each other after they've done the weather and the ball score, the ball game scores, is what do you do for a living? Hmm. Well, Will Will learns that his identity is not what he does for a living because he loses his job. He learns that his his uh, who he is, his identity is not what people say about him because his character is destroyed in the second book, and he's not what he owns. Those are the three big lies the world tells us. You are what people say about you, you are what you own, and you are what you do. Mm -hmm. And none of that, none of that is where God starts. He starts off with, I don't care if you're a serial killer. If you've come to me and are serious, you're my favorite child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a grace that's hard. That's hard to understand. Uh, do you do you feel like this is where you're gonna hang out in your fiction writing for a while, or are there other projects that you have on the horizon? Oh boy, um, I I have two passions. One is for people to know who Jesus really is. And then the other passion is for children. I mean, I, I, as I, I've written mm, probably 80 kids' books uh, because nobody... Children are more vulnerable. Children are more pliable. Children are more... We're working on children's films. You mentioned a couple of them. Uh, we, just, we just finished another one. So I'm... I'm in fact, uh, D.L. Moody said uh, if he could live his life over again, he would devote his entire lo- his entire ministry to reaching children for Christ. So that that phrase is loud and clear in my head. 
Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for the adults, I just think it, I think Jesus has been so misrepresented that um, I just want I just want people to know who this great man and God is. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think he gets some bad press uh, from believers and non-believers both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you'll be happy to know that uh, you know some of your most beloved creations are still living on. D- does it surprise you? We'll end with this. Um, does it still surprise you that 30 years later people are still uh, watching McGee and me and learning from from those videos that you did a long time ago? Yes, it does, and it, it delights me, and it. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness. You know, mm-hmm. those those were so bathed in prayer uh, that um, it's just it's good to see that that those prayers are still working. Mm-hmm. Now, I can say as for myself, I I have distinct memories of being maybe five or six years old and a you know, Sunday school teacher putting in the the old VHS tape, and yeah. you know, it's going to be a. It's, that's this is great. We got a we got a movie for Sunday school. That's McGee and me. And now it's a generation later, and I can uh, go on the Right Now Media app, and uh, McGee and me is on there, and I can share the same stories with my kids uh, that I <laughs> had growing up. So you know, your work is uh, multi generational in a lot of different ways, and God just keeps blessing it. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness in that ministry and for the fact that you just, you know, I really feel like you continue to put out there, um, not based, your art is not based on what, what seems like it's going to be popular or what seems like it's going to be catchy. Um, but really what God has laid on your heart to do next is what you do. Uh, I think, I think that if you look at your, the arc of your career, uh, you see that, and I, I just want you to know that it's it's not gone unnoticed. Um, so oh, yeah. I really appreciate you and your ministry, and I know that many of my listeners do as well. Oh, thank you, Josh. And just to and and, and you know this is where I'm going because I have to go there, and I mean it. Uh, this is really to the glory of God. I, mm-hmm. I had no intention of being a writer. I wanted to be a dentist. But I made a promise at 18 that I would always say yes to God, regardless of how <laughs> of how uninformed he may be of the situation. But I did say that writing was, I got C's and D's in my one writing class in college. And I did say that should be the very last choice. So, of course, it was the very first that he gave me. Mm-hmm. Well, you've, you've made a lot of children happier than if you had been a dentist. I think that, that for sure. <laughs> Uh, well, Bill, I want to thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. Again, the book is Rendezvous with God. Uh, it is uh, it is released now, so uh, you can get it at uh, Amazon um, or wherever books are sold. Yes, sir. Thanks, Josh. Well, thank you.